Let's take our Bibles today. I want you to turn with me to Matthew 28 and then Matthew, Mark's, Matthew 28, 19 and Mark 16, verse 15. I'm going to read those in just a moment here. We're in a series that we've titled Rediscovering the Church. And maybe you're here today and you say, well, Pastor, is that necessary? I mean, the church has been around for 2,000 years. Is that necessary to rediscover the church? They say, they say I read where there's 33,000 denominations in the world. Now, I don't know if that's accurate, but that's a lot of churches. So it, with that pervading the world from Protestant churches to Eastern Orthodox to Catholic to everything in between, do we really need to rediscover the church? And I, I say an absolute yes. And the reason I say yes is because if you're a student of church history or even not just extra biblical church history, but history contained within the pages of the Word of God, the first 30 40, 60 years or so of the New Testament church, what you find out is this, that the church coming fresh from the fires of Pentecost came with a fire, with a fire of evangelism, a fire of mission. And I mean, when they came out of that upper room, they came by the, by the thrust and the unction of the Holy Ghost of God. And on that day, 3,000 were saved. Later, the the, the the missionary efforts were fanned, and they blew all over the Roman Empire, not because people really wanted to, but the Bible said a great persecution broke out. But what the devil didn't realize probably is that persecution just like embers that you would blow on, and they would just fly everywhere. The embers and the fire of the Holy Ghost in Christians just took the message all over the Roman Empire. But as you trace the history, you find that the church started in the fire but it, but it ended, or rather went along there, and it lost the fire. Even ministers can lose the fire. Does the church know today that we have to maintain the fire of our own devotion? Even the minister Timothy, Paul had to say to him, Timothy, stir up the gift of God that is within you. So here is a great, one of the great men of God in the New Testament. Paul said of this man, Timothy, in 2 Philippians 2, I have no one like him who cares for your interest. And yet Paul had to encourage him. Something's died out in you. You need to stir the gift of God within you again. If a great man of God like that had to do that, how much more we must do that? As you come to the end of the first century, what you find out is that many of those churches Rather than keeping the fire of the Holy Spirit, they had lost the touch of God. They had really lost much of their holiness. They had lost their devotion to the master to where in one church, Jesus, they're, 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 it's business as usual. I'm sure they were going through their services. They were going through their liturgy. But as you read there, Jesus is not even there. Wouldn't it be a shame to be having church without Jesus? Oh, come on, Jesus, be in our midst. Come on, say that with me. Say that as a prayer. Jesus, be in our midst always. We want him to be in our midst. And when you look at the churches, you see they were, they were full of false doctrines, some of them. I mean, only two out of the seven had, had good things, totally. 
We have the Church of the Open Door, Philadelphia. We have the Church of Suffering, Smyrna. But the other churches were churches of loss, or not loss, you don't lose it, you leave it, leave, left their first love. You have churches that had Jezebel spirits, you have churches of false doctrine, you have Nicolaitans, etc. So I'm not teaching on Revelation, I'm just saying, is there a need to rediscover the church? Yes, because churches, just by, just by our world, just by the pressures around us, they go from life to death, they go from spiritual vitality to spiritual sterility. Yeah, we need to rediscover the church. And then another reason we discovered is the reason we need to rediscover the church is because if you ask 20 people what the church is, you'd get 20 different answers, and they may all be wrong. The reason is that we can put human philosophy in and mix it all in and think it's the church. But I mean, you know, there's one place. There's, come on, there's one blueprint. There's one blueprint. That, that tells us what the church is to be about. It's the B-I-B-L-E. Come on, that's the book for me. I stand upon the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Let us cling to the Word of God like never before. In our first message in this series, we rediscovered Messiah. Oh, I wish you, I, I should have just took about 40 weeks and just talked about Jesus and all His glorious aspect. Last week we were together, we talked about rediscovering our message now, I was going to give you a missionary card today. We weren't able to get those together. But I wish you had a card in your hand. Because today, what are we going to rediscover about the church? Today, we're going to rediscover our mission. We, we want to rediscover Jesus every day and just walk with him. We want to rediscover the message as we cling to it and not let it go. But if we, Trinity Life Church, are going to be the church on that hill over here, and if we're going to be the church that he desires us to be, we must rediscover what the mission of the church in the first century, second century, third century, here in 2019, we must rediscover what the mission, hear me, the mission has never changed. The, in Acts chapter 1, when, when, when they said, this same Jesus who you've seen go away will come back in like manner as you've seen him go away. When Jesus told them that you're going to receive power and you're going to, the whole, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, under the uttermost parts of the world, you're going to receive that power. Little side note here, we still need that power. We're desperate for that power. Every member of this church, every person that's a constituent of this church needs the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to, that's another message. We're going to get to that. You know where we're headed, okay? Did anyone still believe in the power of the Holy Ghost? You, do we still believe in speaking in tongues? Are we going to relegate it to some back room? Are we going to say, well, God doesn't move that way anymore? I can tell you this. I feel like I don't fit in most places. I'm just shooting straight with you. I do not fit in the charismatic movement with their crazy doctrines. I don't fit in that group. I don't fit in that group that distorts the doctrine of who Jesus is, his death and resurrection. You know, they say Jesus went to hell and burned like a sinner. No, he did not. He paid for our sins on the cross. He went, to, he went down and proclaimed, but he, he paid for our sins on the cross. All that money doctrine that comes out of the charismatic movement, all that weird stuff, I don't fit there. But I can tell you this, I don't fit on the cessationist group, the folks down, down here in Dallas that say the gifts don't work anymore, healing doesn't work anymore. I don't fit with that group either. I'm thinking, Lord, where do I fit? I want to fit right here. Come on. Oh, hallelujah. I'm about to shout. I want to fit right here. I want to be a gospel preaching church that has integrity, 
that has holiness, that has godliness. I want to be here. This is where I want to be. I'm not, there's not anybody I'm trying to mimic except the one who hung on the cross, died, and rose again. He said, follow me. And I said, yay, amen, let's go. Follow him. That's what I'm saying today. So we need to rediscover our mission today. An artist was asked to paint a picture of a decaying church. The artist took brush to canvas. He brought back the finished product. And as he brought back the finished product, the people were astounded at what was on the canvas. They thought that he was going to bring back a picture of some tottering, dilapidated church with the shutters hanging off and and the windows broken. But instead, what the artist brought back was a beautiful, stately, magnificent building, an, an ornate pulpit, a beautiful pipe organ, lovely pews, Stained glass windows, perfect. But then to one side in the painting, there was an offering plate that said missions. And it was covered in cobwebs. Anytime the church begins to decay, it begins to decay first as it has to do with the mission which Christ has left us. The great minister F.B. Meyer said this. Listen, I quote, The church which is not a missionary-minded church will be a missing church when Jesus returns. Mouncy Batbrook said this. I quote, Your love is broke, has a broken wing if it cannot fly across the sea to support the gospel. Another quote, the only one among the 12 apostles who did not become a missionary became a traitor. Can I say that again? The only one of the disciples, the 12 apostles, who did not become a missionary became a traitor. Dear church, I do not want to be a traitor to my Savior. I don't want to be a traitor as a church. I want to be a church that is about the mission of the Savior. Oh, how I wish you had a missions card in your hand. I wish today you had a missions card in your hand. I wish you had it in your hand to hold it in your hand as I preach this message about rediscovering the mission of the church that you could hold in your hands and you could think about Christ. You could think about His blood. You could think about His cries on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you could see in your mind the blood flowing down, the crown down upon his brow. And you could see the spear there and blood and water gushing out. And there on the cross saying, it is finished. Wish you had that card today. Because we have a mission to fulfill. The pastor in one church placed above the clock. He placed these words and these numbers above the clock in the church. 83 a minute. And after a while, after a long while, there was a group from the church that came to the minister. Pastor, 
Can you please take that down? It haunts us. Because they knew what it meant. 83 souls a minute. Plunging into eternity forever. Heaven or hell, forever. 83 a minute. I thought this week, and I may do it yet. I thought about putting right under that exit sign these words. You're entering your mission field. So as we walk out this door, we're entering our mission field. Our text today, Matthew 28, 19, all authority, Jesus said, has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go you therefore, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things which I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And I make a note here. We are not to the end of the age yet. This age is, wipe, watch, I'm telling you, it's winding down. This church age is winding down. This age of grace is winding down. There's going to come a day when the last sermon is preached. There's coming a day when the last prayer is prayed. There's going to come a day when this age will end. You say, do you really believe that? People have been preaching that for years, Pastor. Hear me, church. Noah preached 120 years and in a sense says, this age is ending. They mocked him, I'm sure. They laughed at him. He built the ark, but he kept saying, this age is going to end. They were eating. They were drinking. They were about doing all the carnal things that they want to do. He kept saying, this age is going to end. And that age ended with the flood. And I'm I'm telling you today, church, this age will end. Christ is going to come. We have a mission. It hasn't changed A lot of churches are involved in so many things. We need to make the main thing the main thing. Come on. We need to make the main thing the main thing. I want today to articulate the mission. And we all need to be about the mission. In Mark 16, 15, it reads, And he, Jesus, said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they shall cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, let me make a note here. We don't go picking up serpents. Thank God we don't live in Kentucky. Come on, amen. Dear, goodness gracious. As you go, if you come into danger, Paul did. Paul gave, we got an example of this. Paul was doing missionary work, and a snake latched a hold of him, shook it off, and God preserved his life, and he didn't die. Who would want to go look for a snake? That is just so goofy. Anyway, okay, we're preaching again now. That was meddling. This is preaching. Okay, here we go. If they drink anything deadly, drink, uh, drink anything deadly. Here, let me, let me stop again. I've got, got lots of stories in my head. Dr. George Woods His mom and uh, dad were missionaries to China. Someone poisoned him. And years later, this is like 40 years later, they did some surgery on him. And they they found a pocket of something inside of him, wherever it was. And, And that poison, the Lord somehow isolated that thing. And for all those years, wouldn't let it spread throughout his body. And there's more to the story, but anyway, the Lord can protect his people. 
We have great stories, miraculous stories of God's supernatural intervention. I told you the story that I read, and I believe it to be true. Now, you, now I don't like to share a lot of things I can't validate, but you know what? The, the, the enemy, hey brother, the enemy he, he, the, even if we tell things that can be validated, the enemy doesn't want to hear it. Amen? So, but I, I read of a missionary story. Missionaries were in Africa, and they had traveled all day, and their, their party was tired. And they came to a raging river that was raining, and they didn't know how to get across. And what they did is they said, you know what? We're not going to mess with this tonight. We're tired. We're exhausted. We're going to make camp, and then we'll figure out how to get across tomorrow. That whole party, I mean, they're talking about, not talking about one or two. We're talking about 15, 20 people. They made camp that night, and they went to sleep. And the next morning, they woke up, and their entire camp was on the other side of that river. When they woke up, they were on the other side. God had just picked them up and put them on the other side. Come on. What a mighty God we serve. He's omnipotent. Glory to God. And it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Let me be quick. Here is our mission today. I want to articulate and delineate our mission today. First thing I want to say about our mission is this, that our mission cannot be suppressed because they could not keep Jesus in the tomb. Now, I won't read it for time's sake, but your assignment today, when you go home, Matthew 27, back up from 28, chapter 27, verse 62, all the way into chapter 28, verse 6, is the story that after Jesus had died, they placed him in the tomb, and the Romans said, listen, they called Jesus a deceiver. How dare them call my Savior a deceiver? He's the truth today. And they said, this deceiver, when, when he was alive, he said on the third day he would rise again and said, we're afraid that the disciples are going to come, steal the body away. And then they're going to say, look, he's alive and said, this deception is going to spread farther than it has to spread. And they said, let's put a stone on the tomb. Let's seal it. Let's put soldiers there. But how many of you know that when Jesus says something, he, it's going to happen? And on the third day, on the first day of the week, the Bible said that the angel came down from heaven and that, that stone, I'm sure it was several thousand pounds, that angel just probably went just like this. He just went, ping. And that stone went flying. And the Bible said those soldiers were absolutely frightened to almost to death. And then it said, this Jesus, he's not here. He, he is risen. Hear this. As he said, see the place where he lay. Glory to God. And we were in that we were in, I went in that tomb not long ago, and I'm come back to tell you he is not in that tomb. He is out of the grave. He's at the right hand of God. Our mission could not be suppressed because the Son of God cannot be suppressed. Glory to God. His mission was about redemption. The mission that Jesus came to accomplish was universal in its scope, and it's transformational. It's, it's about reclamation, reclaiming what was lost in the fall of man. And this redemption is not some little corner thing in this world. It's, it embraces the entire universe. Listen to this verse. This is Ephesians 1, verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, that he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. I'm telling you, according to the authority of the word of God, that every part of this creation, every part of this universe, 
that is out of alignment with the will of God, that is in rebellion to the plan and the purpose and the will of God. Jesus' death and resurrection. He, he, he is gathering everything. The devil is going to lose every bit of hold on every part of this world. He's going to be cast in the pit for a thousand years and one day for all of eternity. Why? Because our mission could not be suppressed because of Jesus. I don't know how you feel about the revelation and how you read the book of the revelation. It's a marvelous book of victory. To some, it's a very confusing book. Sometimes I read it and I'm a preterist. Sometimes I read it and I'm a futurist. Sometimes I read it, I'm a historist. Sometimes I read it, I'm a spiritualist, an idealist, not spiritualist like you think. I ought to be clear there, I'm not a spiritualist. And, and some of you are looking at me like, what? What do you mean? There's different ways to interpret Revelation. But what I do know is this. We see John in the fifth chapter, and he's weeping. And if you look at that word, it's, it's deep sorrow. Why is John weeping? Because in the vision in chapter 5, John is weeping because there's no one find, found to fix what was lost in the fall. In heaven and earth, and they look, and there's no one fine to, to take the scroll, to unlock the seals, to look therein. And what that is, is the, is the title deed. It's the title deed to the world, to, the, to all that there is. And there's no one, there's no man. Isaiah couldn't do it, and Abraham couldn't do it, and Moses couldn't do it. And even the great apostles couldn't do it. No one could do it. And then in the vision, here's what it says. Uh, Revelation 5, verse. let's look at verse 2. Um, verse 1 talks about the one set on the throne had the scroll. Verse 2, Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. I wept much. That's an understatement. Read that. I, he wept. It was a hopeless weeping because no one was found who was worthy to open, the, open and read the scroll and to look to it. But, then, but one of the elders said to him, do not weep. Do not weep. And you know my message to the world today is? Do not weep. You don't have to weep. If you're lost and undone, you don't have to weep. If you're broken and hopeless, you don't have to weep. Why? Because one's been found. And he was found at the Father's right hand. Come on, it's the Son of God. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Jesus has taken back what the enemy stolen. What he's stolen through Adam and Eve and lost there. Jesus, the last Adam. Some say the second Adam. He's second to no one. The last Adam. He's going to bring it back to us. And this resurrection and this mission was for the purpose of reconciling men to God. That's what this is all about. Church is not about volleyball games and having a gym so we can enjoy our volleyball nights. You understand, we don't need a gym. If we have one, good. We can, whatever, it's all right. Not my priority. What we do need is a pulpit. What we do need are classrooms where the boys and girls can learn about Jesus. What we need is a prayer room. Why? Because it's about redemption. It's about reconciliation, justification. Listen to the Romans. Oh, man, get in Romans again. 
Just read it this afternoon. You read it in the afternoon or just a little while. Who, who verse 4, chapter 4, verse 25, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised, resurrection, because of our justification. He came for our justification. Luke says, 19.10, came to seek and save. That was, was lost. Young boy in Alabama, lost. Just a kid without hope, without God. Have a religion, but no Jesus. Had religion. I had religion. I went to church. I had no Jesus. I had no salvation. I was lost. If I had died, I would have died lost. But God in his mercy had a young lady, Renee Hubbard. Renee Hubbard. In my fourth period class, between fourth and fifth period, a 20-second conversation. A 20-second invitation. How can my life hinge on a 20-second conversation? How marvelous are the ways of God. How glorious his ways are past finding out. How that in so many ways his fingerprints are all around our lives. His activity from the, chi- from the time we were little children. God has been working to bring us to a place of justification. And Jesus is called the captain. Everyone say the captain. i got to hurry. The captain of our salvation. Listen, we've got to rediscover the mission today. It's got to burn in you. It's got to burn in you when you pray. It's got to burn in you when, you, when the offering is taken and Mission Sunday comes around. We, we, we have to meet our missions budget. I feel that. I feel that. Our mission budget is not high. It's 20-something, $2,300 a month. We've got to reach that. Everybody's got to be involved in that. Why? Why would we build a building? Why would we build a building if missions, it's God's mission is on our heart? His mission. Jesus called the captain. Salvation. Look at this. Hebrews 2.10. For it is fitting for him, Jesus, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain. Now we're getting into some military. I like some military stuff. I like some military stuff. I was, I'm an Air Force brat. Man, it's in my blood. I guarantee I would have liked to go in. I am in the military. I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. Come on, how's that go? Something about the infantry. Come on. You don't know? Shoot the artillery. Hey, Sister Alexis says you can do it. Come on, I'm in the army of the Lord. I'm a servant of the Lord. He's called the captain. The captain of our salvation. Made perfect through suffering. As the captain, he provided the way. This verse here is a parallel verse to Hebrews where it says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. There is no salvation without him. He plowed the way for us. Our captain fought the, fought the spiritual battle. Defeated sin on the cross. He's the captain. He's the way. He provided it. But listen to this. Hear me. Are you listening? Come on, amen. amen. He's called us to join him in the mission. He's called us to join him in the mission. Now listen, we can rediscover Messiah and say, oh, Jesus is wonderful. We can rediscover the message 
and stay in the classroom and go, oh, yeah, we like soteriology and we like eschatology and we like pneumatology and, well, we like all the deep studies. And, and then 500,000 cars a week passing this building, dying and going to hell, and we're in just beholding Messiah. That's great. Beholding the message, that's great. But there's a mission. And he said, Trinity Life, you got to join me in the mission. Young people, you got to join me in the mission. That's what Jesus would say. Paul understood this aspect of joining Jesus in the completion of the redemption message. Look at this. Look at this verse. Colossians 1.24. I rejoice. Look on the screen. Colossians 1.24. I now rejoice in my suffering for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking. What is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. What is lacking. This is in your Bible. Do you know this verse is in your Bible? What is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. And if you love the scripture and love Christ like I do, the first thing you say is, wait a second. You, are you saying that there's something lacking in the blood of Christ? There's something we have to do to, to, to complete Redemption, that is absolutely not what that verse is saying. Our Jesus is perfect. His redemption is perfect. He saves completely, Hebrews 7.25 says, saves to the uttermost, saves completely. What would that verse mean then? What's lacking? Not salvation. In a sense... The Lord is saying through Paul, the mission is not complete. Paul said, I want, to, I want some folks to join me in the mission. Missionary Dr. Wilder, great missionary to India past years. He was sitting with some naval officers. And one of those naval officers in his arrogance said to Dr. Wilder, Why don't you missionaries... Go, go home and just mind your own business. Dr. Wilder said this to the naval officer. Sir, suppose you were ordered to take your battleship to Constantinople tomorrow. Would you, would you choose whether to obey or not to obey? The officer snapped and said... If we are ordered to go, we must go. Even if our ship sinks, and even if every sailor dies, we must go. Dr. Wilder said, quite right, sir. And he said this, I have, I have orders from the divine government. Go, preach the gospel to every creature. Church, do we realize that we have orders from the divine government? We have orders from the sovereign throne of God. We have orders, not just one or two or 30, 40 of our missionaries. We support every member, every saved person. Go and preach. There's a mission field all around us. Our mission cannot be suppressed. It cannot be stopped. It will succeed. Because Jesus said, I will 
build my church. Glory to God. Prophetically, the word of God shows us what the church's future is. We're not going to be in this world always. There's a mission. There's a time frame. John, once again, in chapter 7, verse 9, says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number of all, listen, all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, palm branches in their hand. We're, we're, we're headed to the throne. We're headed to that throne of God. We're headed to where the Lamb is. We're going to have white robes, which means righteousness. We're going to have palm branches, which means victory. And we're going to be singing, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And we're going to praise Him throughout all of eternity. Why? Because the mission has reached us. And we have been saved by the blood of Christ. But the mission is not over. We must continue with the mission. That's the first thing I want to say. You say, oh no, Pastor, that was the first thing. Okay, oh, that was the first thing. Uh, the second thing I want to show you about the mission is this. Our mission is defined as to its time, its scope, and to its priority. First of all, I would say this. We are always on mission. Am I speaking to God's children today? Am I speaking to blood-bought people today? We are always on mission. Peter said, but sanctify the Lord in your heart and always be ready to give an account of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. God's soldiers are not part-time on a part-time mission. We are full-time soldiers. Paul was not a part-time soldier. He was a full-time Christian. Paul said this in Philippians 1:21, for me to live is the MBA. I might have missed that. Did I miss that? Is that right? What's wrong with that Bible? For me to live is make money. For me to live is pleasure. No, Paul said he was always on mission. For me to live is one thing. Christ. Christ. We're given the time, the scope, the priority of our mission. Always. Paul said this to Timothy, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life. What about the scope of the mission? The scope of the mission is defined in our text, Matthew 28, 19. He said this, make disciples of all nations. I've had the privilege of being in, the, in Russia. I, I can say what a lot of... American, Americans could never say, I've, I've, I've walked inside the Kremlin walls, the mighty Kremlin, the Russian Kremlin. In 1992, I don't even know how we got in there. I just, I, I really, to be frank with you, I can't even remember how we got in there. I was doing some missions work out in a place called Irkutsk, which is, a, which is about 100 miles north of Mongolia. I mean, we're way, way out there. I mean, it took a thousand years to get to Moscow, and then we got in a plane and flew another eight or nine hours to get out to Siberia. I'm glad it wasn't winter. It was like April, but even it was snowing then. It was crazy. One of the largest, this is, this is National Geographic stuff, the, the largest freshwater lake in the world, Lake Baikal, or Baikal, is right there next to Irkutsk. Largest freshwater lake in the world. What did we do there? We, we worked with a ministry out of Florida called the Book of Life. 
And basically what we were allowed to do is go in the school systems there in Irkutsk, a town of a million people. We would go meet the superintendents of the schools. We'd go meet the principals. We'd go into the schools, classes filled with high school schoolers, and we presented the gospel of John. We prayed with them. We even gave altar calls in one place, gave an altar call to receive Christ. Now, you say, well, then they'd ask, I said, any questions? They'd say, yes, do you know Michael Jackson? That's what they asked me. And the scope of our mission, all nations, Africa, India, Netherlands, Near East, Far East, the whole world is our mission field. Our gospel is not a gospel to some exclusive group of people. Our gospel is for the whole world. That's our scope, all nations. What about the time of our mission? The time of our mission is defined by the captain of our salvation. And basically the time of our mission is this. It's only until he returns. Not until, not, not before. Only the mission will be completed when he returns. So many Christians act as if the mission's over. They're living in ease and in pleasure, and they're not taking this mission seriously. But yet the mission's not over yet. We're still in the middle of the mission. Many of you in this room have lost family members. You're still on mission. Some of you have maybe lost husbands, lost wives, lost children, lost siblings. As long as there's one lost person in the world, we're on mission, right? As long as there's one person left, we're on mission. Mission. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached into all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. The gospel is going to go to the whole world, and then the end will come. Thirdly, we'll close in a moment. Third thing I want you to see about rediscovering our mission is that our mission comes with specific instructions. Our mission comes with specific instructions. I hear these pastors, you know, so... What's your vision for the church, Pastor? I have no vision for the church. It's not my church. How can I have a vision for something that's not mine? Did not I read to you in Matthew, I will build my church, Jesus said. I will build my church, Jesus said. I didn't build this church. I didn't die for this church. It's his church. So if we're going to be on his mission, following the captain of our salvation then should we not get his instruction on what the mission is? The mission is not chicken dinners and volleyball games and padded pews. There's a mission. And it, can, it, 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 it involves three things. Listen to me. There's probably I mean, there's more subcategories, but, but here are the instructions for Trinity Life Church and for every gospel-breaching church. There's specific instructions. And here's what these instructions involved. They involve three things. One, it involves proclamation. Secondly, it involves teaching. And thirdly, it involves baptizing in water. Let's look at the first one quickly. First of all, it involves proclamation. Preach the gospel to every creature. Now hear this. The church is a, pro- is a prophetic community. We are a prophetic community. I'm not saying, okay, that guy's, you know, everybody, you know, these guys, well, I'm, you know, I'm a prophet of God. Most of those guys, that's silly. They would love titles. Listen, I'm telling you, yes, there's prophets, but we as a community are a, are a prophetic community. We have a message to proclaim to the world. So 
What, what are the elements of a genuine proclamation? I'm going to give you these quickly. Number one, when the gospel is pro- proclaimed, first of all, there is always a clear proclamation of Jesus as the only way. If, if it's Jesus is not the only way, it's a motivational speech. If it sounds like this, well, the Lord just wants to give you peace and joy and give you a better American life. That's not the gospel. The gospel, always true gospel, is proclaimed in Jesus Christ. It's the center of the gospel. He being the only way, no other name given under heaven, whereby we must be saved. First thing. Also what included in the proclamation always is this. A urgent call, an urgent call to repent. To repent. Everybody say repent. Somebody say repent. Oh, it hurt me to say that. No, that's a good word. The first words Jesus ever said in his ministry was, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, or kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance always goes forth, an urgent call to repentance. The third element of gospel preaching is this, we're claiming the message, there will be powerful conversion. Conversion means changing something from one thing to another. There's power. Here's the power. Where's the power of the church? It's right here. The gospel is the power. Everybody say that. The gospel is the power. That's why the devil hates the gospel. The gospel is the power unto, unto the power of God unto salvation. This, this book is powerful. It changes men and women. It transforms hearts and minds right here. So what happens in this conversion when somebody believes? First of all, the dominating power of sin is broken. Nowhere in the Bible do you see a message proclaimed that someone gets saved and they go on living in in sinfulness. No, no, no. Every time someone is saved, they stop the sinning business. The power of sin is broken. Romans 6, 1, 2 and 14. And then what happens to the believing sinner is there's a supernatural peace imparted to the soul and the conscience of the believing sinner. Something happens on the inside where the conscience that God was at war, the Holy Spirit was at war with your heart and with our rebellious souls. And there was, there was our conscience living under a guilty conscience because of sin's power and because of the guilt of sin. But all the day, all the day when the blood of Jesus is applied by God, and then guess what? Sin is washed away and peace comes in. Therefore, being justified by God, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace, supernatural on the inside. And then at conversion, here's what happens. Not necessarily in this order, but at conversion, the believing believing sinner experiences justification, complete forgiveness, and reconciliation with God the Father. Justification at that moment of believing. Salvation is imparted by God. At that moment, it's as if you've never sinned. You are judicial. It's a judicial kind of term. You are justified by God. Therefore, being justified by God, we have peace. And then it says, there is therefore now no condemnation. Listen, if somebody sinned 90 years of their life, if somebody did the most vile, the most wicked things that you and I could imagine for 90 years of their life, and they rejected God for 90 years, in that 90th year, they bowed the knee, they repented, God converted them to him, when the blood of Jesus is applied and when salvation takes place, it's as if that man had never sinned one time in his life. Thank God for the blood today. 
Some of you really need to say, thank God for the blood today. Come on, amen. I'm feeling this today in my soul. Complete forgiveness. And then we're reconciled to God. Lost person says, well, you know, God's my friend. No, he's not. He's your enemy. You're under the wrath of God if you're outside of Christ. It's only because of the false teachers in our nation today that we've turned God into some grandfather that's going to run up and jump in his lap when we get to heaven. No, you will not. Isaiah, the great prophet Isaiah, when Isaiah saw him, he said, woe is me. I am a man undone. I'm a man with unclean lips, and I've seen the Lord. If a man of God like Isaiah would say that, you think some sinner is going to run up and just high-five God? We don't know who God is. That's part of the problem. In fact, that's probably the whole problem. We don't know who Almighty God is. But I can tell you this. The moment we're saved, it all changed. Last night in this place, we prayed these words. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. When you're saved, everything changes when you're converted. He's your Father. He loves you. He watches over you. You're the apple of his eye. Not before, but after conversion. No condemnation. Then there is teaching. I'll just say this. The church is in a dearth of teaching. We need to set and be taught the word of God. We need a church that would be willing to set lengthy times to, be, to learn about the great theology of the word of God. To learn about Christ. To learn about heaven. To learn about hell. To learn about what Jesus did on the cross. To learn about the word of God. To learn the great stories of the Bible. We have an amusing society today, but we don't have a smart society today. Now listen to me. Anytime you put an A before anything, you cancel it out. Ah, millennial. It means no millennial. <laughs> when you put a amusement. Amuse. 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 What's to, what does it mean to muse? To think. To meditate. Amusement means something that distracts you away from any kind of deep thinking. We have kids that can sit hours in front of silliness, but they can't read 30 minutes of the Word of God. Why? Because their minds have been messed up by the culture. We need to be taught everything Jesus said, teaching. And then there's baptizing, which is a command. We're baptized in water in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, an act of obedience that public confession, that visible, that visible statement to the world that I reject this world. I join the community of Christ and I declare my loyalty to Christ. I close with this last thought and that's this. Our mission is accompanied with supernatural help. Supernatural assistance. The Lord has not called us to go in our own strength. He's not called us to go in our own strategy, our own ability but there's an incredible promise when I read our text to you. And it's the promise of his presence. He said, basically, as you go, make disciples of all nations. Then down in there he says, I am with you. As we fulfill the mission, as we try to meet our mission's budget, month, monthly budget, I just want to get to our budget. I don't want to have to percentage it down. The Lord's going to help us. He will guide us to the harvest. 
He's with us. He will strengthen us to reach the harvest. And then there's another promise, and that's the promise of power. These signs shall follow those who believe. Now, I'm not a sign seeker. If I never see a miracle the rest of my life, (laughs) I believe that Jesus is everything he says he is. But there is a promise of power. There are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are all supernatural. We're studying in Corinthians on Wednesday evening. And Wednesday evening, I'm just going through verse by verse of where the Lord takes us. And Wednesday evening, we're going to talk out of the ninth chapter. And, and here's what the subject is. Not that I'm trying to bring it up. The Lord's going to bring it up in his word. We're going to talk about why we support ministers, how we support ministers. That's what it says. Paul talks about, talks about his right of support as a spiritual man of God. Why do we support ministers? Why do we support missionaries? We're going to find out Wednesday evening as we take up that wonderful text there. But what I know is this. There's this we're going to come to those gifts in Corinthians not long. These signs, that's miracles. We look in the early church, the blueprint of the mission. Pentecost, supernatural. The lame man. I mean, he didn't get him an orthopedic shoe. He said, such as I have given unto thee, in the name of Jesus, walk. And that man got up and walked. What about Peter in prison? I mean, he didn't, you know, get a lawyer and negotiate the way out. The angel came and said, come on, let's go. Still got some work for you to do. Amen. I want you to stand with me this evening or this morning. Glory to God. Glory to God. Tori, if you would come. Thank you, Jesus. I, I just really, I mean, wow. I just really, we'll, we'll have some business here in a bit. I want to share some exciting things with you. But listen, church, we, we, we need, and uh, those of you that have kids at the other place and you want to get back for, you know, I'm talking, of course, to our members that are members of the church that have voting rights. Um, you might want to go get your kids. We'll give you some time. We'll take a little break in a minute. And, and this is where there again, I, I, I'm looking forward to getting that building up here. You know why? Because when these, these, we're going to have some prayer benches of some, some type. We're, we're going to be a church that just come and get on your knees and just pray for a while. Doesn't it feel that way right now? Doesn't it feel that way? It'd be a great time if we had some prayer benches up here just to get on our face and just say, God, stir me, stir me for the mission. Because the mission is about lost people and bringing people the, the gospel. You can't make anyone be saved. But what you can do, we're called to present the gospel to them. And that's where the binding and loosing comes in. You know, I, I hear these charismatic guys, and it gets a little kooky. But the binding and loosing, in my understanding, as I've studied the Scripture, is the binding and loosing that he said, whatever you bind on earth, as really the text says in the original, whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. It's the tense of the Greek. And what he means is this. When, when, when we proclaim the gospel, we proclaim the message which either binds or looses. It either, it either looses someone in salvation or it binds them. They're either blessed or they're condemned by, by whether they accept it or reject it. I can't make anyone accept the message, but I can present it to them and tell them that Jesus loves them and that he died on the cross for them. And at this moment, if they don't know Jesus, they're an adversary to God, not because God wants to be their adversary, but they become their adversary of God and they're living 
under the wrath of God. And it's like this. Let me, let me give you a visual. It would be like this. You say you're driving down the interstate. And there's some signs in the middle of the road. I mean across all the lanes. And it says, bridge out ahead, exit here. Bridge out, exit here. Danger, extreme danger, exit here. And somebody ignores the sign and goes around on the, on, the, on the median there and just keeps going. And then you come to another sign. Beware, exit here, bridge out. Extreme danger, do not proceed. Exit here. And that's how it is with lost people today. Preachers and churches are saying, there's extreme danger ahead. There's extreme danger ahead. And the gospel preachers are saying, exit here at the cross. Come on, exit here. Receive Christ. He loves you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to save you. He wants to save your children. He wants to rescue you. He doesn't want you to perish. He didn't die so you would perish. He died so you could be saved. What I think we should do is just, oh, I wish you had those cards in your hand. I wish you could hold that card. Because what I would like to do, and, and this is my appeal to you, is that, that in a month's time, in a 30-day time, that everyone would do something for missions, just something. Maybe you don't have $20 to give. Maybe you have more, a lot more than that. Maybe you give 100 a month, you know, whatever. But, but if, I, I want to tell you what I believe, that if you will put God first in his mission and his priority in his heart, he will make a way for you to make up that money. You can never outgive the Lord. But the mission is very important. We support probably 30, 40 missionaries or so. We support an orphan home. We support missionaries literally all over the world. And we have for years and years. It's been a real struggle in our trend in all this. But it's God's heart. And, we, and whatever we can do, we want to do. And so our prayer is this. Number one is, Lord, help us to rediscover the mission in our church. But then when we, when we leave this place, we're leaving and going out into our mission field. And today or this week, you're going to come across people. Look for, look for open doors of the Holy Spirit. I sent you an email. And if you're not on our email list, I send out periodic emails, sometimes just information, sometimes words of encouragement. You, we, you need to get on that email. We need your email. I want to, want to keep you informed or just encourage you with Scripture. But I sent an email out to you the other day, and I said, uh, you need to be a glad spreader. How I many you got that? You need to be a glad spreader. That morning, about 5 or 6 o'clock, I was at Walmart, and there was a guy, he had some headphones on, and he was, man, he was just going down through there, and he was, I thought, man, that guy looks so happy. I, I stopped him. I never saw this guy in my life. And I said, you're sure happy? He said, yeah. I said, you know what? I think it was the day before I'd sent the letter. I said, uh, and I said, you know what? I said, you sure happy? And I said this, I asked him, I said, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? I just ask him. To the young man, I said, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? He said, yes, I do. I said, no wonder you're so happy. And I said, I ask our church to be glad spreaders. Spread the joy. Amen. Let me lead you in prayer before we break for a moment. Father, oh God of heaven. We want to be about your business. We want to be about your mission. Help us to recapture a love for lost people. 
lost people, some of them today in this city on drugs, can't get off. Some of them are drinking alcohol today, even before noon, they already, they already got a buzz on, already, already inebriated. They can't get out. There's some people in our city today so bound up in confusion and sexual sin, they're, like, they're, they're an absolute slave to their own passions, evil passions. They can't get out, Lord. They really want to get out. They just don't know how. I pray that you'd spread this church all over the city. We go to the highways, go to the hedges. We would go everywhere we can proclaiming, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Oh, God personally help us to be a part. Father, I also pray for our, our missions budget, Lord, that we would continue to support what you support, that we'd be strong in this, Lord, and praying for this every day. Pray you, the Lord of the harvest, that he'd send forth laborers into his harvest. And for this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you, church. Appreciate each of you. Appreciate you being so attentive today. God bless you. We're going to break for a few minutes. And then we'll, we'll, for our members, we'll come back for business in just a bit here.